Hi, welcome to Say When, a geeky podcast. This is episode three, and today we'll be talking about The Last Jedi. Just a fair warning, this is a spoiler-filled episode, so if you don't want spoilers, maybe bow out now and then come back after you've seen the movie. I'm Sally, and this is my co-host, Melissa. How are you doing this evening, Melissa? Hi, well, I'm... um... I have a little bit of a frog in my throat. I've been dealing with a little sinus issue for a week now, but um, we've put this off for as long as we can possibly put it off. I'm dying to talk about it. I know we've both been dying to talk about it. So bear with me today, guys, tonight, guys, whatever time it is from wherever you're listening from. But um, we just have to record this frog in my throat or not. (laughs) Okay, so let's zoom through these news and notables. Did you want to take this away? Sure. We're going to make it really quick and um, dirty because we have a lot to cover for our meat and potatoes. I really don't even know how we're going to get through it all in under two hours. But so news and notables, the um, season 11 X-Files started on January 3rd which I know, Sally, you are super excited about, but also um, you've been like, inconsolable why i don't want to spoil it for anybody but it was horrifying it was so incredibly horrifying um the the twist at the very end i just i i oh i just can't even um (laughs) i get a little verklempt thinking about it so um i'm just hoping that the next couple of episodes will make me feel better but it's the x-files so they won't well, don't spoil it for me because I haven't started watching it yet, but I do plan on doing that soon. Um, but yeah, so that started on January 3rd. And then we also have the Black Panther coming out on February 16th, which looks pretty amazing. Um, I don't know a lot about the Black Panther, but um, I am looking forward to seeing the movie. Um, looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, so we're going to stop right there on the news and the notables and jump right into the meat and potatoes. You ready for that? Um, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. <laughs> this is a big one, y'all. Yeah, this is a big one. This is something that we've both been really looking forward to. And um, so The Last Jedi, spoiler reaction. Look, Here I, we go. I'm not kidding. Go away if you don't want spoilers. Because <laughs> we are going through this entire movie. So Yeah, bit by bit by bit. Um, So we opened up with the space battle, which is pretty traditional for Star Wars movies. And um, everything goes wrong. Um, And then Poe Dameron comes in, a little reckless space cowboy, who just is dying to blow things up. Hashtag reckless. I mean, that is is the only, I mean, I have several ways to describe Poe, but reckless is the number. And you know what? Ryan Johnson told us that he was going to give each of our characters a challenge, something that they had to meet in this movie. And boy, howdy, did he. Um, And and I thought going in, I was like, I bet that that Poe, I I said this, I said Poe's going to be reckless. He's going to do something that is super reckless and it's going to be a real problem. And, um, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. It was bad. pretty bad. I mean, I don't, I haven't even seen an article where a body count estimate is given, but pretty much the majority of the resistance is lost in this battle because of his call. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it makes him, I mean, who, 
we tend to like to look for the person who's unredeemable, unredeemable in each movie. And uh, wow, Poe man, come on, that's pretty rough. I mean, you know, he. I'm trying to think how. Leia's at one point she tells him to get his head out of his cockpit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think to me that was a real signpost that this is a, a gifted pilot. If you hadn't seen that before, it's very clear that he's incredibly gifted in this scene. But when he actually flips off Leia, like he turns the switch off so he doesn't have to listen to her telling him to come back to the ship, it's just like it's so. Oh, I, I remember being so frustrated with him when he did that. And yeah, I, I have got no words and it just gets worse throughout the movie. And, and he finally kind of comes around and I'm like, thank God. But it takes two hours and 15 minutes of Poe just being stupid, yeah. you know? And, so, anyway. and let's be real. I mean, he wasn't even the reason this battle was won. This battle would not have been won without um, Paige Deco. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely right. Um, um, her sacrifice is the thing. Yeah. Um, pretty powerful scene. Um, and that's Rose's sister. But, um, and the reason that we won, but <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm just watching this movie and I'm like, wow, this is such a powerful scene. And it's just, the way they shot it from every angle was super cool. But at the same time, I'm also super distracted because I'm like, um, shouldn't she be sucked into space by now? <laughs> She's sitting there at the bomber doors are open and she, She's open and exposed to space and nothing's happening. So I was like looking because this stuff bugs me. And I went on the physics stack exchange and it says like what happens. Um, and it does say that if you're in space and the door opens to space, you're going to have an outrush of air and it's going to be like basically being hit by a car. But she's sitting there peacefully and serene. And you see, like, the ship slowly passing over the dreadnought. And she's, like, got all this time in the world. It's just, I don't know. I was pretty distracted by that scene. But also very taken by it at the same time. I didn't care. I know. I didn't care. <laughs> I know. Care. To you, it's like window dressing. And you don't care it, about any of that. It is so. window dressing. It is absolutely <laughs> window. I mean... Okay, first of all, I thought the cinematography was awesome in this. I agree with you on that. But for me, like, it didn't bother me that the bombs fell. It didn't bother me that Rose was laying, or excuse me, Paige was laying on a platform. Um, none of that stuff bothered me. I was like, that's fine. And, and one of the things that I've always heard about Star Wars is that uh, there are a lot of scientific inconsistencies. And that really doesn't bother me because in my mind, this is a fairy tale, maybe even a Western but accuracy in science, meh, whatever. I, I, I'm never going to... And, and after all, we're, for a great deal of this movie, we're talking about people who use uh, telepathic powers, telekinesis, and magic laser swords. A little bit of physics mumbo-jumbo, meh, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, I, I get it, but for me, I'm a history English person, meh, whatevs. 
So it's like the known and the unknown. Like we know that this is not physically possible. So it's it's harder for me to get over those known facts. Like the force, we can sure we can jump and make that a fantasy scenario and it's a little easier for me to forgive but uh oh yeah the space scenes they kind of bug me a little bit but anyway let's not get too deep into that one well um (laughs) um poe of course gets immediately demoted which i think was probably the nicest thing that leia could have done um much worse would have happened in real life. Yes, but again, this is a fairy tale, not real life. Um, I wonder how many times I'm going to actually say that today. Probably a lot. Um, <laughs> Having this podcast with me, probably quite a few. Sorry. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. Um, and uh, one of the funniest lines, and that's one of the things that kind of gets into a lot of people I've heard kind of critical because there's a lot of uh, comedy in this, but when he gets back to the, when he gets back to the Radis, he's like, Finn naked leaking. I'm like, what's happened? And he goes and finds Finn and he sure is. He's got the back to suit on and he's leaking all over the place with not a lot of clothes on. And that's, that was, to me was really funny. But um, the first stuff with the comedy was him uh, when he was distracting Hux and he oh, called him hilarious. like general hugs and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and hugs is going on this rant. Oh, it's amazing. But oblivious. Um, yes. <laughs> oblivious can you was... I can hear you. Can you hear me? And <laughs> and you've got this old Empire officer there who's like, dude, he's totally taking the Mickey, right? He's he is just trying to get under your skin. Which Hux should have known that, but he's just so I don't know. Anything that gets under Hux's skin, I am 100% behind because I can't stand that guy. So, anyway. Um, yeah. And then and then we've got the whole hyperspace. Tra- and that was another funny thing when, when the guy turns on and says, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke for you. And Hux is like, ah, excellent. I'll take it in my quarters. And then the big <laughs> <Nope>. Snoke hit. <laughs> <laughs> pops up and slams him to the ground and all that stuff. I mean, that was just funny stuff. But at the same time, funny. you know, Hux is bleeding. Of course, I always appreciate because, again, I can't stand that guy. And um, and uh, the hyperspace tracking is actually a Rogue One Easter egg where um, they're looking for, like, Cassian and Jen are looking for the plans to the original Death Star. And it goes really fast. And I am not the first person to to say this i heard it somewhere else and then watched rogue one and i was like ah there it is and they're flipping through and one of the things that they list that they've got is um, hyperspace tracking so i thought that was a really cool little easter egg to plant in rogue one for this movie which of yeah. course is happening you know 40 years later so that to me was really cool and then um so the resistance doesn't know they're being tracked through hyperspace, which most people, um, the, the accepted scientific science, <laughs> the accepted, <laughs> the accepted knowledge. Close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the accepted knowledge at this point is that, um, it's impossible to track someone through hyperspace, but the resistance much to its dismay finds out something very different. Um, and then <clears throat> we go from Finn saying after Poe says, I'm sure you've got a million questions. The first question Finn asks is, where's Ray? And then we go to Octu, 
with Luke and Ray. And and we get this what's supposed to be this emotional scene. And Luke takes the legacy saber, his family's lightsaber that he hasn't seen since his father chopped off his hand. And um, he's looking at it and very seriously. And then he goes <laughs> and tosses it over his shoulder with this complete disregard. And I'm just like, oh, that's epic. And that really it's kind get- of comical. But at the same time, it speaks volumes about where he is in his faith in the Jedi religion. Like he's mm-hmm. not the faithful disciple anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know, I didn't call that. Um, I mean, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. I agree with you there. Um, or in my opinion, which is you know, not worth a whole lot, but um, I, I agree with you. But when I saw him do that, I didn't, I didn't make that connection immediately. Do you know what I mean? Like I just saw it as this funny thing. Like Luke's like, yeah, screw it, I don't want this thing, you know. But and then the porgs are like poking at it, and I kept on waiting for the porg to stab the other porg through the heart with it, but it didn't happen. Sorry. Yeah, that the was first little... time I saw it, I just found it kind of comical. But the more, like, we should probably say that we've seen this movie now three times in the theater. <laughs> and, uh, don't judge us. But I regret uh, like... nothing. <laughs> I'm going again tomorrow, please. Oh, well, <sighs> you'll have one up on me now. But... <laughs> Are you kidding me? We talked about going tonight, but we were just like, because we were going to go to the drive-in to do it. And it was like, eh, you know what? The drive-in sounds great. A little nippy. It's a little cold, and it's a triple feature, and maybe not. So, so we stayed home and I recorded the podcast. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, it's all good. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, just the more you know, I, the more times I actually saw the movie, the more I started like really thinking about the symbolism behind mm-hmm. each of these things, and that mm-hmm. <clears throat> to me just spoke volumes. And then not only that, but then whenever um, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit but when ray um is feeling the force she tells him like you weren't there yeah that's true. you completely cut yourself off from the force and she can't so believe he's it. just yeah she's just in disbelief um but you know what we should have known that when chewy blows the door off his hut and he's like chewy where's yeah where's han like yeah. he didn't even know han was dead and like hey, this is your best friend you don't even know mm-hmm. han is dead i mean oh we should have known then and but i think you know if i don't know i don't know we should have known then and if we didn't know we certainly knew when ray tells us so there's right. that but anyway um so kind of by the way it's worth noting but i they didn't really do anything with it. Luke actually has a kyber crystal, which is what powers a lightsaber. Uh, Melissa, I don't know if you know that or not, but a kyber crystal. I do. Okay. I do now. Okay. <laughs> um, red ones are um, ones that have been taken by the Sith or other dark side users, and they channel through the crystal, the dark side, and it makes the crystals bleed, which is why all dark side users have the red lightsaber. And Kylo's is a little different because it's not red. It's kind of an orangey red, and it's got a little bit of more yellow in it. So His is made with an unstable cyber, right. uh, and, kyber crystal. Yeah, it's cracked. It's cracked, yeah. which is... And it, I wonder if that was his original kyber crystal, and then he bled it and cracked it then or but we we don't we don't get the backstory of his lightsaber in this movie and i don't really have a headcanon for that yet 
But anyway, um, Kylo, um, we see him being um, caught on the carpet by Snoke. And um, Snoke is just ripping him a new one. He's saying that he thought that Kylo had the potential to be a new Vader. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, now who's the Vader fanboy? Is it Kylo or is it Snoke, right? I mean, um, and then he tells Snoke that he has too much of his father's heart. And this is one of those things that I really actually want to unpack. Because when you think of Han Solo and you think of Han Solo's heart, what do you think about Melissa? I mean, seriously, that's a question I've been meaning to ask you and we haven't, it just haven't come up. But when you think about Han Solo's heart, like the heart of him, what do you think? Oh, goodness. You're putting me on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I mean, he's... Ah, goodness. See, to me, Han Solo has a good heart. You know? Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a good heart, but he's a, he's a wanderer. Um, yeah, but not all who wander are lost, right? That's right, that's right. Um, and... You know, this will mean something to people that know anything about Harry Potter, so it probably won't mean much to you, Melissa. But to me, Han Solo is a Hufflepuff, which sounds nuts. But from what we see of him in the original trilogy, Han Solo is the guy who is always putting others in front of his own concerns. And people are like, oh, well, he was in it for the reward. Yeah, he was in it for the reward, but he doesn't actually ever make it back to Jabba the Hutt to pay off Jabba the Hutt because he stays with the Rebellion. He stays with his friends. Like, he leaves at the end of Star Wars before the big battle starts, and Luke's like, yeah, running away, that's what you do best. Well, who the heck is the one that saves Luke? It's Han freaking Solo. So, to me, Han Solo has a very good heart, and Snoke is telling Kylo <coughs> right there, you have too much of your father's heart. And to me, that's really signposting that this is not someone who is um, solidly... make it in the dark side. Yeah, he's not solidly evil. He's not Vader. And the other thing that Snoke does, he calls him young Solo, which is kind of... I mean, Kylo is supposed to be 30 years old, but he's really coded as an adolescent. Like, he's, he's coded as an unstable adolescent. And um, he... All, Snoke also calls him a child in a mask um, and so he's infantilizing him there and as soon as and then he then he taunts him for losing to Rey right oh she's never used a she's never used a lightsaber before well Snoke is conveniently just ignoring the fact that Kylo had a hole the size of a bowcaster bolt in his side right mm -hmm. and um and so when he starts to say something, get up to defend himself, Snoke immediately blasts him with force lightning, which, you know, I, I cannot say enough bad things about Snoke. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't say enough As bad little things. as we know about him, he's made quite an impression in the few episodes he's appeared in. Yeah, and, and the truth is... I think maybe is, one comic book. Yeah, I don't... I, I, ew, <laughs> terrible person. Um... And then we, of course, go back to Arc 2, where Ray is trying to appeal to Luke's sense of duty. It's not working. He's going and drinking green milk from this sea creature that he apparently oh, takes care of. Oh, the siren. Oh, my gosh. Like, really? <laughs> is this necessary? I know that, you know, 
Star Wars is supposed to be a little weird, but to me, this scene should have ended up on the cutting room floor. It was horrid. Was it, was it the green milk and the beard that got <laughs> Oh, <you>? God. <laughs> like, really? Did he have to look at her like that after he drank it? Well, he was trying. Creepy. Was try- he was trying to gross her out. I mean, he's trying it to get her to grossed me out. Yeah. Uh. Me too. But, I mean, he's trying to get her to leave. So, there's that. You know. I guess. And then, <laughs> and then immediately after that, the, the tree. Um, and I don't know that I need to get I don't want to say this and keep it very PG um that's a struggle isn't it (laughs) this movie has a lot of um let's just say male female coding in it um you've got the trees standing erect and upright Whereas you've got the dark side, which has like a hole and a tunnel, <laughs> and it's really wet. So there's a lot of coding there that will fly over the heads of kids. But if you're an adult, it's like, oh my. <laughs> you did a good job there. <laughs> wow. Ryan. Oh my. <laughs> Okie dokie, I get it. And and then when you see Luke in the entrance to this cave, it's shaped a little like a... Yeah. Do- <laughs> like there's, an orchid. Yeah, there's a little bit... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> there's a little bit of female coding there as well. So um, it's very... It, it's... Um, if you... If you even glance more than once it's there you see it you can't avoid it if you are looking at all into themes and the cinematography here i just don't know how you'd miss it um so luke follows her in um as she's staring at the books and he's asking who are you like why are you here and um she's like i'm i'm no one he's like no everyone's someone she's like, i'm not from anywhere and he's like no everyone's from somewhere and she goes well, i'm from jakku and he's like Okay, well, that's pretty much nowhere, um, which is interesting. And then she goes on. He's like, but why are you here? And um, and she goes on to talk about, you know, the resistance. And he's like, no, no, no. Why are you here? And finally, she's just like, I need help. I don't know what's happened, blah, blah, blah. And he says, you need a teacher. And it took the set. All right. To be fair, this hit me on the second time around. But the first time around, I had had surgery relatively recently. And so... I wasn't entirely compass mentis the first time I saw it. But when he said, you need a teacher, that second, that second viewing, I was like, holy crap. He's the second person to say that to her. Mm-hmm. Because Kylo said that to her in the snow fight scene. And it was, I mean, it was just, you need a teacher. I can show you the ways of the force. Right. And, and that's what keyed her in the force and she closes her eyes and she powers up and she downloads his fighting style and um but does she really need a teacher yes i mean does she yoda says that she has everything that she needs and she seems to be doing pretty well without one yeah because she downloaded everything in kylo's brain and who taught her how to do that the force 
All right. There you go. Um, Maybe she doesn't need a teacher. I think she needs a teacher. But um, <laughs> everybody needs a teacher. Um, I'm, a te- <laughs> I'm a teacher. Everybody needs a teacher. Um, Some people do well at self-teaching. Yeah. But, but, but you see what I'm saying? This is, to me, this is a, this is a deliberate callback for me. Um, yeah. Because Kylo says it in a, you need a teacher and let me do it sort of way and Luke is like you need a teacher but you need to go on out of here get off my lawn sort of way <laughs> um I'm not gonna do it um because he doesn't want to continue the, the Jedi. Jedi and that's and, and I get that but um he his, feels like the force doesn't belong to anyone well yeah and that may again be true but if you've got people who are force sensitive and force users that doesn't mean that they don't need some sort of instruction and her talking to Kylo is in part Luke's fault because Luke is refusing to help her. And so when the force connects her with Kylo after she tries to shoot him again, um, that's a habit of hers, by the way, she sees Kylo, she tries to shoot him. Um, (laughs) That's love. Yeah. And we'll call it. (laughs) And, um, so anyway, a lot of this is on Luke. Um, and there's another scene later on that we'll get to where I think that it, it's on Luke. Now, it backs up to a space battle. Um, Kylo is in his ultra-cool tie silencer. And he's got the bridge zeroed in. And he's got his finger on the button. And he knows his mother is there because he's got a force bomb with his mom. And you can kind of... Like, he can't see her, but he senses her very clearly, and she senses him. You can really see that resolve in her face. And he, he makes a very deliberate decision to take his finger off the trigger, and he doesn't blow the bridge. Um, the two TIE fighters that are with him do blow the bridge, and um, I, I admittedly watched this with shipper goggles on, but I kind of think he blew up those two TIE fighters. It could have been the Raddus, but it happened so fast. I don't know that there's any way to know unless somebody comes out and tells us. I tried to look for that in the third viewing, and it was still really hard to tell. It looked like it was coming from the side, but I couldn't tell what color the Mm. um, shots were. So I just, I'm I'm not sure. But But we can agree that he very deliberately chose not to kill his mother. Oh, yes, he definitely. Okay, okay. Now, did you want to say something about that? You were talking about Kylo um, and, the, and the TIE fighter earlier. Well, yeah, the TIE fighters, you know, blew up the bridge. And we see um, Leia hurled into space. And, um, and then we see her use the force like we've never seen her use before. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a reminder of how powerful she really is and what her lineage is and that she's she is strong with the force. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So that part was really cool just to see her use that um, in a way that we've never seen. Yeah, that we've never seen her use before. But then again, you know me, I I got a little distracted with um, (laughs) the science. science. (laughs) I'm like, wait, wait a minute. She would be like all those, all that shrapnel that was flying around her would have pierced her to death. 
Um, and <laughs> her blood would have been boiling. Like, but uh, I mean, I guess in this fantasy fairy tale world, she's able to control all of that from happening and drag herself back onto the ship, which is awesome. I'm glad that she was able to do that. I think that that was, um, it was a really cool scene, but also distracting. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, what was distracting for me was it, it felt a little bit like Supergirl. You yeah. know, the, the one arm extended. With her hand yeah. extended. Um, that necessary. So, and her eyes opening to space. Oh, yeah. goodness. Um, <laughs> well, I guess... I guess my only like beef with that is sort of the way it was shot. Like maybe, maybe she hadn't, maybe she shouldn't have gone quite that far out in space or something and it wouldn't have felt so awkward, but I certainly didn't have a problem with her using the force and using that force to get back to where she needed to be in order to survive. Because I also have kind of a pet theory that if Kylo had been the one to pull the trigger, so to speak, I don't think she'd have done it. I think she just would have died. Like, I don't... Yeah. I think that that would have just been it for her. But I think she knew that he didn't do it. And so she had the 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 will to continue. And, man, Carrie Fisher just breaks my heart. The whole thing just breaks my can't, heart. Can't oh. take enough pause for her and no. um, her loss, the loss no. of her. No. She'll definitely be um, missed. and Yeah. I don't know how they're going to, what they're going to do with the next episode. I have uh, theories. I hope they do her that's justice. That's for a different episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, um, we have so much to cover. Yeah. But, and, and you earlier were saying you just didn't understand why Kylo even had a TIE fighter. Yeah. Oh. Why? Why was he in a fighter? This doesn't make any sense to put someone of his, to me, it didn't make sense to put him in that position, that vulnerable position but you had your theory and it made sense which was well first of all i think it's a callback to anakin skywalker and then later darth vader because darth vader does use a tie fighter and anakin skywalker was a very showy kind of pilot but he was known as one of the best starfighter pilots in the galaxy and then of course his father was no slouch behind the yoke of a of a starship either so i think that they made a very deliberate decision to make him an expert pilot and to show you that, that the force wasn't the only thing he was good at. Um, and, and I, I always kind of thought that, like I always kind of thought that he was, he would be a pilot, but I didn't realize that he would be portrayed as quite that good of a pilot. And the other thing when I was, um, watching this well no let's just move let's just move along um back to octu you've got <laughs> chewing the porgs and oh, that was porgs. yeah that was nice comment relief when chewie's like eating the porg or <laughs> trying to eat the porg and the little porgs are like <laughs> frowning at him like how could you eat my brother and chewie's like i'm hungry you know um and then uh luke of course you see him sneaking on the falcon and he finds the dice that Han had left there and uh, he runs into R2-D2. And um, this is another, uh, I remember what I was going to say. This is another one of those things where um, apparently Ryan Johnson had asked JJ to film R2-D2 going with them to Oshchu. And um, 
because initially the plan had been for BB-8 to go. And um, Ryan Johnson said to JJ, please send R2. And R2, of course, plays the Leia video, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And basically Luke responds with, dude, that's dirty pool. But then he wakes up Ray and says, I'll give you three lessons. Now we only get two of those lessons, but um, he tells her he'll, he'll teach her three. And, um, and in teaching the, her those lessons, she will understand what the force is and why the Jedi need to end. Um, I just, this was one of those scenes. I'm sorry. I have to back up to like R2. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We've had, so many amazing like nostalgic moments in this film mm-hmm. between R2 making an appearance, um, Yoda making an appearance as a Muppet, not mm-hmm. as CG. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, uh, I, I know that there are a lot of people that just hated this movie and they're all idiots. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> no, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to say that out loud. But for me, it just brought back so many memories of the original movies, and I I loved it. I'm sorry. I just had to say that was a touching moment between Luke and R2, and it just... Oh, and when he he goes, watch the language, it's a sacred island, I just... (laughs) And to me, that was finally a glimpse of Luke Skywalker. Like, this character that we had seen earlier in the movie was not the Luke Skywalker I remembered, but when he goes hey, Sacred Island, watch the language. I was like, that's Luke. <laughs> you know, yeah. There he is. There, I see him. I see you. I see you, Luke. <laughs> and finally, right? So, yeah. yeah. You get a glimpse of the old Luke. Yes. Not the yes. hermit. Yeah, not the grumpy <laughs> old man that's like, get off my lawn. <laughs> man. Okay, so back to the resistance. Um, Holdo is elevated to commander and Holdo's fabulous purple hair and I love her and um I went in predisposed to like her because I read Leia Princess of Alderaan but not very many people read Leia Princess of Alderaan so she was a very new character for them but I knew because I'd read that book that she had been friends with Leia since they were teenagers so so I was never one to think that Holdo was going to betray Leia Um, And I know that was a lot of the discourse in the fandom prior to the movie. Um, Poe is demanding to know the plan. That was actually one of the complaints I heard. um, Like you said, you knew that about her. But one of the complaints I heard from several fans is just that you didn't know what was going on unless you had read the comics or canon or books or wherever you got that information from. I don't know. I didn't read it. Um, and I was kind of lost to that myself. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Anyway, side note, I I feel you fans. I was there with you. I was kind of lost about what was going on there and and I didn't know what she was doing. And I was, well, um, (laughs) as a captain, not a commander anymore, but as captain, uh, demands to know, like he he's mansplaining to Holdo the problems because uh, mansplaining, <laughs> um, because of course she can't possibly know. And he's like, I just want to know the plan. And it, it turns out that a rear app or a vice admiral doesn't actually have to tell a captain the plans. Um, and, As it turns out, yeah, who knew? Imagine that. <laughs> who knew? Funny. Um, 
And again, Poe's really lucky this isn't, like, actual real life. Um, so, Finn, once he realizes that they've been followed into hyperspace, that um, Ray is going to come back to a doomed ship, he's like, yeah, peace out, I'm gone. And um, I think I think we have to remember, first of all, only, like, 24 hours have elapsed, right? Maybe 48 since the end of TFA. And... <clears throat> um, He's still the same scared former stormtrooper, right? And so he wants out, and he wants to make certain that that Ray is safe as well. And uh, Rose stops him and tases him, (laughs) and he can't feel his teeth. (laughs) But Rose, of course, is very upset when we first see her because you know her her sister has passed, and um, and. And then her hero is then trying to desert the resistance and all that stuff. But they get to talking. She's and, had a bad day. Yes, yeah, she really has had a bad day. Um, <laughs> they figure out that they're being tracked through hyperspace and they figure out how it's being done. And so they get this idea to somehow sneak aboard Snoke's ship. Um, for the record, Snoke's ship is like 60 kilometers wide. Yeah. So that's Huge. a... And... Um, I have two books, The Art of the Force Awakened, or excuse me, The Art of the Last Jedi and The Last Jedi Visual Dictionary, which you can pick up from Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Um, But this floating mega destroyer actually has stations in the wings where you can put a star destroyer there to repair it. Like they're docking, like three docking ports on either side of these massive wings. Yeah. So you know how big a Star Destroyer is? This is bigger than a Super Star Destroyer. This is a Mega Star Destroyer. And um, so it's not a Death Star, but it's Snoke's ship and it's massive. So they are like, okay, if we could sneak aboard the the Supremacy, which is the name of the ship, then we could disable this hyperspace tracking and then they can make a jump to light speed and they'd be gone. And so they tag Maz Kanata and say, hey, Maz, can you help us out? And she's like, well, no, I'm busy. And she points them to a code breaker at Canto Bite. And then they had to... Isn't it kind of weird that they had to, like, get her involved? Maz is pretty cool, right? I mean, and if you can have Lupita in your movie, you're going to have Lupita in your movie. Um, And I think they wanted to give her... a purpose aside from just being the wise woman with the funny glasses who says, if you live long enough, you can see the same eyes in different people. So yeah. Um, food for thought that, but I think they wanted to remind people of who she is. And I would be interested to see if they, what, if anything they do with her or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so she's, she's otherwise occupied with a, I think a union dispute or something. And um, Poe, of course, is all about this Canto Bite idea and uh, naturally doesn't go to Holdo with it because she probably would have said, that's a really bad idea right now. I've got something in the works. Don't do this. So they just do it anyway. And um, then we go back to Ash 2 and things get really interesting really fast because uh, Ray kind of wakes up and... She wakes up to um, 
Kylo Ren's face. And Kylo Ren is in a medical bay where a medical droid is like stitching up his face. And, and she instantly picks up her blaster and tries to shoot her, shoot him. And um, he slides out in the hall, a la Han Solo, and Return of the Jedi, and throws his hand up and tries to tell her to bring Luke Skywalker to him, and that doesn't work, and he stops, and he's like, wait a minute, how's this happening? How does this work, you know? <laughs> like, he's, 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 yeah, he's like, you're not doing this, the effort would kill you. Can you see my surroundings? I can only see you. Now, she doesn't ever tell us whether or not, um she can see his surroundings. I think a lot of people assume that, that she can, but I don't know that she can. I kind of just assume that she could only see him as well. I don't, what did you think, Melissa? I mean, yeah, like you said, we don't know. And, um, that would be interesting to find out just to tell us where her powers lie and mm, yeah. who is the more powerful in this yeah. situation. I don't think that anyway, I won't, let's not go into that right now. Uh, I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> the other thing that we see um, at Osh 2, which I think is very telling, is the prime Jedi symbol. It's a mosaic in the floor with like, um, like a pool of water over it. It's a mosaic. And the prime Jedi symbol is a very yin and yang, light, dark balance. Do you remember seeing that, Melissa? Yeah. Okay. And, um, when Ray meditates, she talks about, you know, it being the force is kind of a natural thing, the light, the dark, uh, life, death, decay, which breeds more life and so on and so forth. Um, and the point Luke is really trying to make with her at that point is, um, the force doesn't belong to the Jedi. It doesn't belong to the Skywalkers. It's, everyone's it's mm -hmm. everything and and that's actually a lesson that obi-wan kenobi when he was telling luke about the force this is just occurring to me it's much the same thing that he told luke right the force is um it binds all living things and so on and so forth so that's a very familiar lesson i think to most of us um when ray is meditating she cracks the rock and the look on Luke's face is priceless. And he says, I've only seen this raw strength once before in Ben Solo. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. And he turns around and walks off. So, And again, that fear of her going immediately to the dark side. Right. <laughs> he has that fear with Ben right. Solo. And then he has this fear with her. Right. And she's like... You didn't even try to stop yourself. And you know what? But here's the thing. He's scared. And that's a dark side thing too, isn't it? Hmm. Fear. Hmm. Who knew? All right. So yeah. go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> no, that was really all I was saying is okay. that, um, you know, he's yeah. just, he is fearful, which yeah. we know what fear leads to. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we, then we get to the second <clears throat> Ford's vision, and he looks Kylie Ren. He was he had been looking out over um, an, a hangar bay or something where they're constructing things, and and um, as their forces or as their minds connect, he turns around and he's made up 
in such a way and the light on such a way light on his face is in such a way that he looks really I'm trying to think how to put this he just looks so young in that shot to me and he just looks so fascinated by her in that shot and and she's still very angry with him she calls him a monster and he just says yes I am well now where does she go from that when he's like well yeah <laughs> you know where does she go from that um and but I think the most important thing that happens in this scene because she's out in the rain which I'm sure she's very rarely seen on Jakku since it's a desert planet um, when it's over, he wipes his face and he has rain on his glove. So this is the first hint that we're getting that this is also a physical connection. Mm-hmm. And I won't talk about rain and being wet. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Sally. <laughs> Moving along. I'm not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <clears throat> anyway, PG. So. <laughs> Making an observation. Water is wet. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so second lesson. Moving along, you were yeah. oh, you were saying, you? Oh, yeah. I, and I interrupt oh, you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Luke gives a lecture about the failure of the Jedi, and he says that for many years there was balance, and he's saying there's balance after everybody's dead but him, and that makes me I, I kind of don't think there was actually balance because in that parlance, because he's a, he's a light side user almost exclusively. And he says, for many years, there, there was balance. I don't necessarily think that. And I think that might be something that needs to be explored in later movies. But so what's I find, the definition of balance. Yeah. I mean, and and again, I, I today I was doing some chores and I rewatched the Clone Wars, the Mortis arc. And I think that shed some light on balance in the force. But anyway, um, really? Yeah, I, I kind of think it did, um, because um, I have the quote, um, at the, the beginning of the scroll of the Clone Wars, um, I've got it written down here, I just need to check it out real quick. Um, maybe I didn't write it down here, um, but it's one of those things that you might want to check out if you've got the time. Um Basically, it says that um, if you are, um, you're balanced if you can face your guilt, which I thought was interesting. I mean, let me see if I can find the exact quote, but I thought it was a super interesting quote. And then it, then in that same, or in a couple of episodes later, which are also part of the Mortis arc, um, there's another quote that I thought was important, but maybe not for the balance. Um, okay. Balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that this applies to Luke 
in this movie really well when you think mm-hmm. about Luke's arc. And I think that when we look at Kylo's arc from TFA all the way through the end of nine, I think we're going to find that that applies to him as well. And it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't apply to Ray because Ray's not perfect because she's human. No, right. She, I mean, we've seen her strongly. She's very impulsive acting on, um, <clears throat> the light side but she's drawn to the dark side well but and she's really impulsive and and doesn't always wait for explanations and i mean you can see that in tfa where uh she's fighting off uncar plot's thugs and then bb8 sees finn with poe's jacket on and based simply on the fact that that a droid says that that's poe's jacket she comes running at finn and attacks finn do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no questions or anything. Just, I'm just going to go beat the crap out of you. It's like, what? You know, she's real impulsive. So mm. I think that's something that a lot of people tend to gloss over, but it's there. And and what she does in this movie, whoo, straight up impulsive. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, shooting just, things. Wow. And... <laughs> I mean, she packaged herself up. Never mind. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, the other thing is that Luke talks about here is um, his hubris, his pride. That he thought, you know, with that mighty Skywalker blood in Ben, he thought that he could teach Ben. And, and then he, uh, of course, gives his version of the events. Um, and the sleeping Ben Solo's hut, where he says that he went and looked in Ben's head and didn't realize just how dark Ben had gotten and Ben attacked him and uh, killed several students. Um, well, you know, but this is, this is the information we get from Luke. And I suppose that's true from a certain point of view. Well, hello, Obi-Wan Skywalker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Luke, what, what we see here is Luke is excelling in that um, Jedi trait of telling you, um, <clears throat> sort of what you need to know um and not always not always the whole truth and Mm. um yeah about that so anyway but what do we know about women from the last episode always figure out the truth that's Uh, right (laughs) come on well but you know Luke's never even had a space date, so I guess he can be forgiven for not realizing that women always figure out the truth. Because Ray is not a Skywalker, in case you missed it. (laughs) Okay, so... Skills with the ladies are lacking. Yeah, bless his heart. Okay, so they go to Canto Bite, back to Canto Bite. There's a lot of humor in that scene. Uh, But also a lot of... Tragedy. Sadness. Yeah. Tragedy. Um, because I swear, you know, Finn is like just mesmerized mm-hmm. and super excited about everything yeah. and just looks so glamorous and he just, you know, is running from table to table and um, yeah. Rose is just like, look closer. Yeah. And we see wow. that. They're not listening to the women in this movie. Like if you listen to the women in this movie and most of this crap doesn't happen. Right. Well, that's. <sighs> Welcome to our life. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it's not so much a fairy tale and it's really real. Well, you know, real talk, real talk. Well, you know what though, this, to me, this is kind of an interesting thing though. The sequel trilogy, 
unlike the prequel trilogy and unlike the original trilogy, is told very much through the eyes of women. Because mm-hmm. Rose is a major character. Ray is our leading character. Um, and this is a different take for Star Wars. And I think that's why some people have frustrations with it. Because it's told from a different point of view. And you know, women for generations have watched movies that have been told through sort of a male point of view. And we're used to it, right? We're used to it. We, we go to see the Avengers and it's through Captain America's point of view or whatever. Not Black Widow's. But that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the movie. It just means that we're kind of used to it. And Star Wars is taking that same route of um, now showing movies a little bit more through the feminine gaze. And I think for some folks, that's really hard to, really hard to grasp. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, that a lot of women like these movies, uh, maybe as opposed to some of the others. Um, because I know for myself, I was really frustrated with like, Padme and the prequel trilogy and all that stuff. Like, I really felt like her storyline could have been better. And um, they're not making those same kinds of decisions with Ray, which I'm very glad about. Now, uh, <clears throat> then we flash back to Akshito. Um, I tell you, this movie, they're all over the place. So, I mean, if you're yeah. not paying attention, you're in trouble. Um, we have the third Force Vision, and this is... <laughs> So Ray's had a bad day. She's walking out and she gets this flash and she's like, I'd really rather not do this now. And (laughs) Kylo Ren, the way he says, yeah, me too. She turns around. He doesn't have her shirt on. And she's, she's like, why did you kill your father? (laughs) It's hilarious. Oh my God. (laughs) She sees that and she's like, oh, my. do you have like a cowl or something that you could put on? And he's just like, no, <laughs> he just kind of starts walking towards. Her. I guess I don't know what he's about to do, but um, he starts walking towards her. And I have to think that he does this on purpose. Uh, Ryan Johnson, was it Ryan Johnson or one of the visual directors? One of the, I think maybe it was one of the visual directors talked about how they filmed this scene so that the audience would know and understand that Kylo Ren is human, that he's not more man than machine or more machine than man or anything like that. Um, and I think certainly think that's part of it, but I just talked about seeing a movie through the feminine gaze, so I think that's part of it as well. Um, one of the things that I think we tend to miss in this scene is he says to her, your parents threw you away. And so he's already kind of seen something. Um, we, we don't know that for a fact though. We, yes, I mean, sweet. how much of this that he's saying, can we believe he's always told her the truth? He's never lied to her. Think of a time when he's lied to her, that, you know, he's lied to her. He is telling her the truth as he knows it to be, period. But how does he know? He never tells us. Like, what? It's a magic story. I don't know. No. What bothers me about this is when Ray is, when she's in that dark cave, uh, you know, your coded feminine place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just goes there knowing that she's certain that she's going to find answers of who her parents are. I she don't... still, she still has no idea. 
she's still desperately seeking, even though later she agrees to what Kylo's saying, mm. but she sees her own reflection. She doesn't see her parents. Mm-mm. And I mean, I, I have to, it makes me, it forces me to question, um, could she be a force child? Okay. I, um, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for us to say that she doesn't know who her parents are. I interpreted that. But why would she be searching if she doesn't know? Because she wants to know where they are. I mean, if she does know, why would she be searching? Because she wants to know where they are. But she's not asking where they are. She's, she's saying, who- show me my parents. She's not mm-hmm. saying, who are they? She's saying, show mm-hmm. them to me. And when you look at that scene, you, there are actually two figures coming at it. And mm-hmm. in that book that I mentioned, the, the art of The Last Jedi, the initial concept art, where it shows us in the movie just her face. And, of course, it's going to be her face because she needs to find who she is, right? Um, initially, it's half Kylo Ren's face and half her face. In the book? In the art of the Force Awakens, yes. That was oh, the initial concept. Um, interesting. And, but they chose to film it as but isn't... her reflection. Okay. I mean, and and th- that can mean nothing, right? Um, but he says that to her there. And we, they revisit this um, in the throne room. But anyway, um, this is the first time that he says that to her and um, I, I just, I, I will stand by this statement. He always tells her the truth as he knows it to be. So um, I, I've seen nothing to indicate to me that, that he's not telling her the truth as he knows it to be now. Well, it would kind of carry over into the theme <laughs> towards the end of the movie where we see, um, the stable boy. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's nobody. Who's now, he's nobody. And he has, he's strong with the force. And so we're, we're seeing more of that now, I mm-hmm. think. So and, and it would kind of, it would tie into that. So, and, and that's the poetry of it too, to me, that you don't have to have this grand heritage, this grand Skywalker heritage, um, to be a grandchild of the force or, yeah, to be a grandchild of the Force or, the, or a great-grandchild of the Force, to have the Force. It shows up wherever. Um, <clears throat> and then he says to her, let the past die, kill it if you have to. And this really, Love that quote. This really soft voice. Now, of course, the irony is, can he let the past die? Can, you know. Um, no. But to be fair, he, he, he does try to kill it. He yeah. tries really hard to kill it. It doesn't work <laughs> out for it, but he tries really hard to kill it. I can't it. believe I'm laughing at this right now because I was so mad at him about that. But yeah. Yeah. And so I'm this a horrible prompts, person. Yeah. This prompts Ray to go looking into the dark cave, which of course is coded as being a very feminine place. And um, while she's there, and this initially bothered me because I felt like she was breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to the audience, but it turns out she was actually talking to Kylo Ren. Um, describing what she had seen in um in her fourth force vision (laughs) she goes and she's telling him about 
what she sees with the snaps and the endless uh, pictures of herself and everything. And that's when you get this great, you are not alone. Neither are you. (sighs) (laughs) You hopeless romantic. (laughs) I mean, this, this is the, I love you. I know of this trilogy. So many feelings, so many feelings. I can Um, always count on Sally Mac to pick up on the love connections. <laughs> You've known me for 30 years, okay? <laughs> if this comes as a surprise to you, then I don't know you at all. <laughs> so it's not surprising. Okay, not surprising. so beyond that, okay, no, okay. Beyond that, they physically touch hands across the galaxy, which is millions of light years away from each other. <laughs> they are physically touching hands. Um, and I am going to have the vapors, okay? (laughs) It makes me think, oh my gosh, could she have pulled him to Ashto? I mean, could he have pulled her onto the supremacy? Can they teleport to one another? Oh my gosh, the possibilities are just endless. Please, JJ, do not (laughs) suck. Please, JJ, do not suck. Do it right, JJ. Ryan, Ryan putted this to you. You can do it. Um, this is this is a non-sex sex scene. Okay? It is what it yeah. is. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get Avenging Uncle blowing up the hut. Right? So No! Stop that! <laughs> he's, like, he's like the dad walking in on the kids making out or something. You know? mm-hmm. And um, and I, I I'm angry at Luke for that. Anyway, um, um, this is one of those things where you've had people say to you that they think that there's a a brother-sister bond here. Is that right? I I don't know how. I've had several people say that, and I don't know how they still believe that. But um, I think this pretty much clarified that for anybody who had any doubt. Okay. Because I just just wanted to to give you a couple, a quote, um, two quotes. Um, Ryan Johnson did um, an interview with LA Times on, it was back in December, and um, the question was, the evolution of Ray's relationship with Kylo Ren takes an intense and pivotal turn in The Last Jedi. We learned that Supreme Leader Snoke has linked them through the Force as if he were connecting a call at a switchboard. An idea thematically mirrored in Poe's bad connection scene with Hux earlier in the film. Where did that idea originate? Ryan Johnson. It was always through the demands of the story. With the force connections between Ray and Kylo, I thought, okay, I need to get these two talking. But if I put them face to face, either they're going to fight or one of them has to be tied up. The interviewer says, well, they could also make out. And then Ryan Johnson says, they could also make out. I'm going to give you a spinoff movie. That'd be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) give me a spinoff movie okay then he goes on to say even if they make out then they can't be talking so i knew i wanted them to talk and to talk enough to where we could go from i hate you to her being forced to actually engage with him that's where the idea of these force connections came from which is a new kind of kind of a new thing it's a little bit of a riff on what happens with vader and luke at the end of empire strikes back but it's entirely new in some regards 
Interesting. Hate and love are very closely related. Yeah, aren't they though? Same yes. emotion. All right. Um, and then someone was talking to Mark Hamill, and I don't have the date on this, but there's a video of Mark Hamill if you want to go looking for it. And um, when he's describing it, he says um, there's this romantic tension between Ray and my naughty nephew. <laughs> girls always go for the bad guy blah 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 so here you've got uh, both ryan totally. johnson and mark hamill saying this is a romantic connection before the movie came out ryan johnson said there was going to be romantic drama i i if you think they're cousins or brother and sister i can't help you at this point yeah i think that quote is um is the one that i sent to my friend and that kind of sealed the deal and he was like oh they're going to take the predictable route or the emo route or I don't know what he said, but it was something along those lines. Okay. All right. <laughs> because God forbid a man have emotions. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are all, not all men are Red Foreman. I mean, I know I married Red Foreman, <laughs> but not all he men. totally did. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. And, and, and then, okay, later on in this movie... <clears throat> Just in case you're curious, later on in this movie, we see a brother-sister force bond with Luke and Leia, right? Because, right. actually, it's not. I think it's a little bit earlier in the movie, where Luke re-engaged re with the force, then he realized his sister was in a bad way, and he sort of channeled that force bond to talk to Leia, and that's when she starts regaining consciousness, because Luke is talking to her through the force bond. So that's what a normal familial force bond looks like. Not touching hands across a galaxy. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, this is new. This is huge. And um, force bonds are, I'll be interested to see where they're going. But even the Star Wars databank right now, I think I sent you this quote about um, their destinies are you know, like continually interlinked or whatever. I think, however we take this, this is not over. Not by a long shot. Um, and then, so, Kylo Ren has also told Ray her version of events, or his version of events. And his version of events is Luke did indeed come into his hut late at night when he was asleep, and then Luke lit his lightsaber, which is a very distinctive sound, which I'm certain would have woken him up. And he rolls over and sees his uncle with a lightsaber that you only use if you plan to kill someone. Um, <clears throat> and um, he, of course, with reason, thinks that his uncle is about to kill him. And so he grabs his lightsaber, defends himself, pulls his hut down on top of him and um, leaves. And that, of course, says, where's he going to go? And so... When Ray finds this out, she storms out and she has lost it. Like she is 100% done with Luke at this point and says, is it true? Did you try to kill him? Did you create Kylo Ren? And Luke finally confesses his greatest shame as well as his greatest failure. And he says, it was just a moment of instinct. I never would have done it, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? If you're an early 20 something kid and you wake up with this man who's supposed to protect you, with, I don't know, a loaded cocked pistol to your head, are you going to wait around for explanations? Hell no. 
<laughs> I mean, this is this is not you know what I mean. And so Ray responds with, "You failed him by thinking he'd already made up his mind." And and I heard someone said this, and I wish I knew who to who to to credit. They said that your like that he looked inside Kylo's mind, and he saw Snoke there, which of course was irredeemable or unredeemable. Right, Snoke's not redeemable. And so he saw that, but he didn't see the other side, Ben, that was trying to fight it. And so if he had just like woken him up and said, Ben, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. That could have been avoided. You know, communication. The story might be quite different. Who knew? Um, I am am still a gigantic, massive rage ball about this. Like, I can't. (laughs) Um, And... This also, when I re there are a couple things that came to me when I rewatched The Force Awakens after watching The Last Jedi. And Han's line about uh, one boy um, destroyed it all, Luke blamed himself. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, yeah, he should blame himself because it was his freaking fault. If he didn't try to murder his own nephew in his sleep, then maybe it wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and but beyond that, and this is what's mm, Leia, Han, and Luke have a hand in creating Kylo Ren. They failed to protect a child from a child predator, and that's what Snoke is coded as. You see it really clearly in that throne room scene mm-hmm. that's coming up where he. And you saw it in the throne room scene where he called Kylo young Solo. He called him a child in a mask. Sorry, folks. Yes. He's definitely um, a child predator. Yeah. And um, and then Ray. But Ray gives him another chance. And, and I noted this second and third time. She gives him another chance. She's like, he's a, you know they're still good at him, da, da, da. And Luke's like, this isn't going to go the way you think. And so she stops and she stands up straight and she offers him the lightsaber again. Like, fine, you do this. And I won't, I won't do anything. I won't have to go to Kylo. And Luke refuses to take it. He refuses to take it. So she puts on makeup, she changes her clothes, has herself shipped to Kylo Ren in a coffin that looks like Sleeping Beauties, and she has a lightsaber on her chest like a rose. And... Fairy tale. Um, this puts Kylo Ren in an impossible situation, because what can he do at that point? Like, Snoke is gonna know that, that she arrived on his 60-kilometer ship, right? He's gonna know. So, Kylo Ren doesn't have a choice at this point but to take her before Snoke. And um, that's really unfortunate. And this is another example of her being really incredibly impulsive. Like, incredibly impulsive. Um, Back on Ashto, um, Luke decides to burn down the tree. And then we finally get to see Yoda again. Um, and you liked it. You liked Yoda. For me, Yoda, um, Yoda sort of redeems himself from some of his other things. Um, and he had two great lines here. One of them, of course, was failure is the greatest teacher or the greatest teacher failure is, or however he said it. Which 
again, what does that tell us? Well, everybody fails in this movie. But do you need a teacher to fail? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> I just, I'm not convinced that Ray actually needs a teacher. I don't know. She's learning things the hard way and you can learn that way. It's not the best way to learn, but you can learn that way. And then he also says, you know, that, um, she has everything that she needs. She does. Cause she flips the books. She already possesses. We all possess. It's basically what Yoda says. But anyway. Well, she's got the books on the Millennium Falcon, but we don't know that at this point. Um, mm. And then his other line that really just stuck with me, and I think it's because I'm a parent. It says, we are what they grow beyond. And I think that's true for teachers and parents. Um, that that your kids, your students are what you grow beyond or what they grow beyond. Um, we get back to the resistance plot. Um with DJ and his whole live free, don't join idea. And, yeah. um, and on that's the him ship. telling us in the very beginning who he really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you really listen, doesn't everybody tell you who they really are? He's saying, don't pick a side. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come back to bite them in the end. But <clears throat> go ahead, carry on. No, I mean, <laughs> it's true. Um, and this is one of those kind of point of view things, right? Because he, um, he shows them that the arms dealer's ship that he's stolen uh, with the help of Phoebe 8 um, he sells TIE fighters and he sells other things to the uh, First Order. And then the third thing that pops up, of course, is an X-Wing, which, of course, apparently they sell to the, the Resistance. And mm -hmm. so there's no loyalty there. There's only loyalty to the money. And mm -hmm. um, aboard the Supremacy, we have the elevator scene. Um... And this is sort of, she, she looks at him and she takes a step closer to him and bats kind of, her, bats her eyes at him a little bit and says, Ben, um, and, and he did not accept being called Ben by his father because when his father called him Ben, he's like, your son is dead. He was weak and foolish. So I killed him. Um, but when... Ray calls him Ben. He just looks at her, right? Just stares at her. <laughs> and um, they're really close to one another. And um, if the elevator scene had been a little bit longer, it could have been really interesting. Um, but they have this discussion about their visions. And she's like, Ben, I, I saw it. You're going to turn back to the light. And he's like, no, when the time comes, I know you'll be the one to turn. You'll be the one to stand with me. And I, I don't know. I don't know if they saw the same vision. I don't know if they saw uh, one of them saw a vision at one point in the timeline and another one saw at another point in the timeline, or maybe if it was just the throne room. I don't know. I don't even pretend to know, but here's what I do know. And this is what's important about those visions. They saw themselves together. Totally, totally friends, totally brother sister relationship cousins totes <laughs> We're going, we can go that way sure oh goodness sorry was that sarcastic not at all <laughs> <laughs> so they get 
into the <laughs> throne room and Snoke continues with his gross, wrong child predator ways. Mm-hmm. And um, he calls her young Ray, and he drags her up and he touches her with his gross hands. And he says that he's the one that bridged their minds. He's full of Sith. <laughs> okay. The Force created that. I think the Force created that bond in the um, interrogation scene in TFA. Um, because she is... Pablo Hidalgo story group said that she learned like the Jedi mind trick and all that stuff that took years for people to, to learn. She downloaded it from Kylo. If their brains weren't already connected, right. Then how would she have been able to, you know, she, she wouldn't have been able to do those things if their brains weren't already connected. And, um, sure. Um, sure. Maybe he boosted the signal. Maybe. I kind of doubt it, but maybe he boosted the signal. He's arrogant. He likes to pretend that he's in control, but he also makes mention to several instances where he underestimated certain people in certain scenarios. So that shows us that he is definitely fallible and he's not all knowing and he's not all powerful. Even though he cannot be betrayed. Mm -hmm, Really? Right. But how are you feeling, bud? You seem to be chopped in half. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, um, Kylo has absolutely had enough. Um, and uh, because then um, Snoke, first of all, he feels really um, betrayed, I think, because he, I think he believes Snoke at first about that. Um, that he, he bridged their minds. Although I think it becomes very clear later on that that's not it. Um, and, um, so, um, excuse me. Um, he tortures Ray and, and here we see what it means for Ray to be tortured as opposed to what we saw in The Force Awakens, where she's not having a good day. It's a very bad day. Kylo's not being particularly nice. But when you're talking about torture, this is torture, right? And um, and then he's telling Kylo to fulfill his destiny, to kill this woman. And I'm telling you, the likelihood that Kylo Ren is ever going to kill Rey is infinitesimal. Um, and so... Wait, 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 wait. Yep. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> you say that, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to like push forward in the movie a little bit uh, where he says when she's in the Falcon, blow that piece of blank junk. out of the sky. Well, he, says he, calls it junk. he calls it junk. Yeah. Does he call uh, it junk? He calls okay. it junk. He says, blow that piece of junk out of the sky. You are skipping forward. Um, he's uh, he's trying to kill her. There, I don't I don't know that he knows she's on the Falcon because when he wakes up, how does he not know? Okay, when he wakes up, Hux says she is she escaped on Snoke's shuttle. From that's all he that's what he knows. Now maybe he can sense her. I don't know. Maybe he can sense her on. I don't know. Again, I don't know exactly how the force bond works, but even. 
you're talking about a man and see we really have to talk about the rest of this scene before we can get to that okay all right can we get well, back to that yeah okay. yeah let's so, get back the, to where the, you were the, but i just had to interject because you say he and would I will never kill her, but he's made reference twice in this movie about killing her. And this relationship is starting to look awful Joker Harley Quinn. No, I'm just saying. No, it's not. No, it is not. No, it is I not. Know that. I know. I know what that does to your soul. No, it but, is not. Are you kidding um, me? No. All right. No. Okay. We shall see. We mm -hmm. shall see. Mm -hmm. um, no. Let's, let's back up and okay. go back to where we cool were. Back to this. So. <laughs> Snoke is being all superior. He can't be betrayed where he once saw, um, he says, you know, I, I know his every thought and where I once since conflict, I sense resolution and so on and so forth. And so Kylo stands up and Ray looks at him. And she's like, Ben. And, um, and you see his hand moving. And as you see his hand moving, you see the lightsaber sitting beside Snoke. And then in this moment of true poetry, he says, and he will rise up and kill his true enemy. And then Snoke dies. And it was beautiful. Um, so finally, Kylo has killed the, the man who's been preying on him since he was a small collection of cells in his mother's body. And um, according to <laughs> one of the books, Aftermath. Um, and so... Anyway, that begins the Praetorian Guard fight, and this is the most glorious lightsaber battle in Star Wars history, in my <laughs> opinion. You've got a dark side user and a light side user, <laughs> and they sorry. are fighting on the same side. And it's Other people beautiful. can't see your face, but... <laughs> it's Glorious. I can see your face and it's so cute. It's um. Glorious. <laughs> glorious. And um, uh -huh. they're amazing. Uh, this is the first time we've seen light and dark fight together in the movies. Um, and of course, my favorite scene was like where she grabs his upper thigh, lower hip, and he like pushes her back and she's able to kick the cards away and all that stuff. And it's just poetry and motion yeah it was a pretty amazing battle scene. <gasps> shipper yeah. goggles shipper goggles yeah, yeah. we know we know um, I, I, full we, we've got your number full disclosure <laughs> i never tried to hide it okay so in the aftermath and and, and this is where i think um ray makes a mistake i think and, and they both make a mistake here um they've just fought together so well and Ray immediately, and you understand it because these are her friends that are dying, um, or she's concerned about her friends. She doesn't really, she's got one friend at this point, maybe two, and Finn and, and maybe Leia. And so her friend is, is in quite a bit of danger here, she thinks. And um, certainly Leia is, although I don't know, I don't know what people know at this point. Um, she immediately walks away from him and demands that he stop firing on the resistance ships. And this gives him a chance to turn and walk towards the throne and see the remains of Snoke. And I think in that moment, he's realizing the enormity of what he's done. Like, I don't think he had fought all that through, right? I think he had gotten to the point where he felt like he had to kill Snoke because if he didn't, then Snoke would have killed Ray and, 
and then it would have been bad for him as well. Um, so he decided that he was going to kill Snoke because killing her was not an option. Um, after all, she is the one person in the galaxy who understands him. And, um, then they have this confrontation and he says, a lot of it's about her parents and he's like, say it, just say it. And she says about her parents, they were no one. And, um, and then he says that, you know, um, you're nobody, you don't have a place in the story. You're not important. And then he's, and he's shaking his head as he's saying all these things, which seem really, really cruel. And then he says, but not to me. And then he's like, please join me. Um, like teary, please join me. And, um, to me, this is the cruelest thing that happens to him. She reaches out her hand and you think that she's reaching out to him. And I think he probably thinks she is too, but she's trying to take the lightsaber back rather than asking him for it. She tries to take it from him. And so it starts going to her hand and he reaches out to get it and it stops between them. And this is in stark contrast to what happens at Starkiller base where they're both reaching out for the lightsaber and it flies right past him, almost hits him in the head and goes straight to her hand. Instead, the lightsaber stops in the middle of them and it won't go to either one. And to me, this is saying, demonstrating, this is just me, it's demonstrating that neither of them are right in this case, that neither of them necessarily maybe deserve it at this point. And, um, and so here she has, she's rejected his marriage proposal because that's what that was. Um, and he resists that it splits apart. It knocks them out right as Holdo is flying the Rattus into the supremacy at light speed. And I know you did some scientific research on that because I think it bothered you. And I saw an article about that, about how this changes canon. And I'm sitting here thinking, who cares? But apparently it matters to eight-year-old boys or something. I don't know. Wait um, a minute. As, as, no, like, ser seriously, the author of this article was like, this completely changes everything. If I was a kid, if you could have done that when I was a kid, then that would have completely changed the way we played with our action figures. And I was just like, really? That's your, really? <laughs> like, what? And so, so Holdo flies the Radis into supremacy at light speed to save the rest of the resistance, which she does. No, there was actually accuracy. Is that what you're saying? Like, it's, well, there was some was, scientific accuracy behind that scene. Well, well, the, the boy was arguing, or the, the boy, the man who wrote the article was arguing that there wasn't scientific um, accuracy behind it and I just didn't care I was just going with it because that's what they showed me so I was going with it but you're saying you've done research and yeah I thought I sent you an article that stated that there was some scientific yeah. accuracy behind it yeah <clears throat> so, I, so again I just didn't care I took it at face value that that's what would happen if you flew this flew a ship into the supremacy <laughs> now I don't know if um, parts of the supremacy would be falling like because gravity doesn't work that way in space and that's bugs me like where pieces of spaceships look like they're falling 
And I don't think that's the way it would happen. I think they would expand outward, <laughs> not downward. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Car- carry on. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so finally we get to a resistance plot that I really find interesting and that's Finn. And I love Finn. Um, and I'm really sad for Finn because um, he's had a very bad, no good, terrible day. And um, he and Rose, as well as DJ, are captured. Of course, DJ talks his way out of it and makes money in the process. But he finally gets a chance to fight his shadow. And for me, she calls him scum, right? And he looks down at her because she's laying on the ground. And he says very proudly, rebel scum. This is a line that stuck with me even when I was like compromised <laughs> on pain medication. Um, and it really signposts to me where Finn has left this sort of no man's land. Um, I'm in it for myself in terms of like getting away from the first order and, and, and saving myself from the first order and saving my friend Ray, if I can, this is like signposting. No, I I am a member of the resistance. Now this is who I am. And that to me was a really important, really, really important thing. Um, what did you think, Melissa? Did that line strike you or was that just me? No, no, that was definitely his, um, like complete turning point. And, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was embracing his rebel yeah. allegiance at that point, yeah. I think. And other people have said, you know, oh, different points in the story. And that's fine. You know, I, we're all entitled to our own opinions on this. And I'm not saying anybody else is wrong, but for me, this is what's posted it. Um, now, I am inclined to think that Phasma is not Kenny and that Phasma is actually dead. What do you think? I hope not. I mean, it pretty much looked that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they would bring her back unless that suit is like something special that it I is. Just, I know it salvaged parts. Um, it, it's important from stuff. a pretty major ship that I can't remember the name of, but um, yeah. maybe that maybe that suit protected her. Um, mm. But I just think that wow, she's just too important to die that quickly and just her second appearance. So I don't like her. Well, I think she's pretty cool, but, um, she's a villain, but as far as villains go, I think she's pretty cool. She's a cool villain, but her, she's definitely one of these one dimensional villains. There's not a whole lot to see there. Um, irredeemable types. Like, yeah. there's no emotional conflict. And I read the Phasma book, so I really have a fairly clear understanding of what, what and who Phasma is. And um, trust me when I say, if it's a group project, you probably don't want her in your group. No, no, no. She betrays uh, her people. She's, she's. She's horrible. not a good person. She's I'm not horrible. saying that she's, I mean, she's a villain. Yeah, but, she's horrible. But I'm just saying, you know, I can see Dragon Con getting blown up with some Phasma mm. <laughs> sure. cosplayers. Yeah. 
You could pull you know. off Phasma. Oh, totally. I I would love to if I could only afford what the thirty five hundred dollar expense of buying one of those suits. Is so five hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think it's a thousand dollars for the um, stormtrooper and yeah, chrome or something that looks. You you can't just spray paint it. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to have that silvery shiny got to be a way to make you're gonna have that. to have something that's gonna be more expensive than plastic to make that mm. look Ugh. believable okay all right well let's get back to bb8 <laughs> and rose um bb8 and rose save finn thank you very much and they steal a shuttle and leave the ship and when kylo wakes up ray is gone the pieces of the saber are gone and hux was about to kill him so this is also a very bad day for Kylo Ren. Um, and here's one thing that I would like to note. He actually does wake up. Ray does not take the opportunity to kill him when he's unconscious. As she could have if she hated him or something. But she obviously doesn't. And um, I would say that that's pretty important. Um so he wakes up just in time for Hux to try and act innocent like he's not about to pull out a blaster and shoot him. And um, Hux, of course, is demanding answers. And Hux, ironically enough, is the one who crowns him supreme leader when uh, Kylo um, is force choking him. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of choice in that matter. <laughs> you can just see him, like, steaming over it. but <clears throat> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And uh, the Supreme Leader is dead. Long live the Supreme Leader. <laughs> and so, um, I'm not completely convinced that Kylo actually wants to be the Supreme Leader because he has just gone into a whole discussion about let it all die, right? The Resistance, the First Order, kill it all, forget about it all. So, I'm not convinced that that's what he wants. But I do know that he now proceeds to lose his mind because... Um, the one person in the galaxy who he uh, trusts and relies on has left him and she tried to steal his saber and um, and then between the two of them they managed to actually destroy it. Um, wow, there's another lesson in there. There's so many lessons in this movie. I know, I know. It's <laughs> actually kind of overwhelming. It um, is. So I'm not sure if Kylo Ren actually wants this. But he's got it now. And um, on Crate, we go down to Crate, and there are about 30 Resistance members left from over 400. Um, and let's pause and appreciate that four to 500 Resistance members is pretty pitiful when you're talking about a galaxy. 30 is almost a joke. Um, yeah. Wow. And so they're locked behind a blast door that can be split like an egg by the battering ram cannon. And there are so many not PG references I could make to a battering ram cannon. I'll move along. <laughs> um, and I can't. I can't. Oh, goodness. It's right, yeah. everywhere. It Sorry, is I'm, everywhere. We're like 12 at heart. In our... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not 12 at heart because 12 year olds would miss this. But. Well, I, I hope they would miss it. 
Okay, maybe teenagers at heart. Yeah, well, yeah, we're 15-year-olds. Okay, yeah. um, but no, seriously. I mean, yeah, okay, let's move along. Okay, yeah. so they're really cool crystal foxes that I love, and I want oh, to own. speaking of the crystal foxes. I want, fox. to, I want like, to own them all. What is that the most memorable creature you found in this movie? Okay. Because every Star Wars movie typically has, like, a super memorable creature, and, mm. you know, like, the Ewoks, and... Mm-hmm. Anyway, which one? The crystal foxes? Is that for your favorite? Me, for me, it's the crystal foxes because I love foxes. Yeah. Um, now, I have a porg stuffy, <laughs> but mm. but that's only because I couldn't find a crystal fox. Like if really? I had, yeah, like yeah. they haven't, nobody's selling those? Did you search online and nobody, that seems like just gold, like marketing gold right there. Cannot believe that. I know they don't okay. have them at Target. <laughs> So. Oh, well, you've only, that's, yeah, Target is your store. All yeah. right, well, I'm going to have to look for those. Yeah. Um, and then... The siren's not your favorite? <laughs> no, no. The green milk spewing. No, not my favorite at all. Um, oh, gosh. Sorry. Although I do like the um, fathers on Canto Bite, the space horses. Oh yes, those were my favorite. Yes, those are like totally my favorite. Yeah, they're so cute. Yeah. Um. So, Poe when he sees Finn and Rose is like, "You're alive!" And then the next line is, "Where's my droid?" And that has led us and- to certain conclusions about <laughs> Poe. What do you think? Yeah, Poe. If his relationship status on Facebook would say in a relationship with BB-8, yeah, he is much. totally in love with that droid. <laughs> Like for all the people who think that there could be a, a relationship between him and Ray, nope, nope, not happening. It's totally Poe and BB-8. Yeah, that that is the that is their relationship because yeah. I mean he's like, oh, guy friend, save me from the finalizer. He's he's uh he's alive. That's awesome. Where's my droid? Like, just, yeah, it's, like, it's always all about BB-8. Yeah. Okay, so... How sweet. (laughs) um, The First Order arrives. Um, Kyle is actually fairly rational. um, Brutal, but rational until he sees the Falcon. And then he loses his... Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like that. I'm going to start using that. And um, he's yelling... Blow that piece of junk out of the sky, um, and you've you've stated your objections to that. And um, kill I, Ray. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily know that he knows that Ray is on board the Falcon. Um, again, I, I don't know that. And at we this don't point, believe that. And, and but you know what? Even if he does know that, and even if when he's talking to Luke, he says, I'll destroy her. Uh-huh. Time, uh, second time. What has he done up to this point to demonstrate that he wants to hurt her? I think it's just his pain speaking. I do too. And you I know, don't think he, he, he feels betrayed. It. He feels hurt that she didn't accept his proposal. And it's just, he's it's his pain speaking and we all want to hurt those and, that hurt us. And, and beyond that, 
she is in the Falcon in the gunner's position going, I like this, smiling mm-hmm. and grinning. So I, I'm sorry, I don't buy Joker or Harley Quinn here. Ray's not a sidekick. She never will be. Harley Quinn is a sidekick. She no, wants to. No, 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 uh, Harley Quinn. She she holds her own, and no. <laughs> I mean, she may be initially okay, a sidekick, okay, okay, but that's me... not the case in in future. Anyway, okay, according to what <laughs> we don't want to get heard... we don't want to get sidetracked into this. Harley and Joker story. But I'm just saying that I don't think that's a parallel that works. How's that? I'm not saying that that's definitely where this is going. I'm just saying, I'm just saying this is kind of looking that way between her trying to shoot um, Kylo several times, him trying to blow her out of the sky. It's certainly not looking like a healthy relationship at this point. But they're not. Okay. Okay. So, when she tries to shoot him, they're not in a relationship. And when uh-huh. he tries to shoot her, in theory, mm-hmm. I don't totally accept it, but okay, they're not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. He is in pain. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that she's also in pain. And then and the big grin, the big smile is also a mask of sorts. She's covering up the pain she feels. I would be. I would make that argument. Um, so Poe finally gets his head out of his cockpit, realizes that um, that what they're doing isn't going to work. It's just going to get them all killed. So he calls off the attack, and Finn refuses. And just like Poe did earlier in the movie, cuts off his comms and continues his suicide run to try and blow up the battering ram cannon. And Rose comes out of nowhere, knocks his uh, ski speeder off and um, and saves him and she's he's like I was almost there why'd you do that and Rose delivers the line of the movie she says you know I saved you dummy that's how we're going to win not by fighting what we hate but by saving what we love and that to me is the lesson um, of of that relationship and we do get a kiss. It's not the best kiss that we've seen in Star Wars, <laughs> but we do get a kiss. And I think it's important to note that people don't actually like date in uh, Star Wars. If they're going to kiss, no matter how not serious of a kiss it appears to be, these two folks are in a relationship. So Finn Rose is canon. Finn Ray is not. Um, you can still ship them, <laughs> ship and let ship, whatever. I get it. Um, um, a lot of people in the Harry Potter fandom tend to ship Hermione with uh, Draco and the canon is with Ron um, but ship and let ship whatever they want to do so everybody retreats um, and they send out distress calls using Leia's personal code but um, nobody is coming and Leia gives up hope um and she has this really grim speech where she says, that's it. Uh, the spark of hope is out in the galaxy. It's over. And, um, and then Luke finally shows up. 
And um, it turns out that the X-Wing under the uh, water on Ashto was just a distraction for us. A little bit of a callback to his um, X-Wing underwater on Dagobah, I suppose. And uh, I'll have to give a shout out to Ryan Johnson. Well played. Um, And we get our reunion between our twins. And um, he hands her the dice and um she says something about uh ben being lost and um then luke looks at her and shakes his head and says no one's ever really gone and to me that's an incredibly important line in the movie um and luke needs to understand that but and the other thing is does luke The other thing is, this begs the question of, did Luke and Leia realize what actually happened at the temple? Did Luke give them his whitewashed version of it? Or did they know that Luke actually pulled a lightsaber on their child? What do you think? Um, I I would hope that they didn't know. And, And so Han died not knowing which and he forgave Ben like we saw him forgive Ben for what he did and oh my gosh it's heartbreaking it is absolutely heartbreaking and I think that I think that that Luke probably gave them the whitewashed version of it as well which which probably weighed on his guilt as it should have because it was his Mm -hmm. fault Um, and so and and this is one of the things that like Kylo has had two big adversaries, several adversaries in his life, but two two of the main ones are Snoke, who he just killed, and Luke. And so Luke walks outside, and Kylo loses it. Like any rational thought that Kylo had at that point is now out the window mm-hmm. and across the border. Yeah, as we see when he unleashes like. Every all gun. of his firepower yeah. like, on him. I want every more. Gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he says it a few times. <clears throat> and Hux is finally like, that's enough. Do you think you got him? And Kylo like collapses in his command chair. And you can just see the relief on his face. Like, finally, I've purged this, this monkey off my back. I'm finally, oh, he's just so damaged. And he's so traumatized. And I'm so glad this isn't real life. Um, I'm so, so glad this isn't real life. And then Luke is just standing there and he kind of cockily brushes his shoulder off. And I'm in the audience going, what's happening? What is yeah. happening? What is happening? Like, I thought he was dead after the first shot. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> like, and, wait, um, he's still alive? Yeah, how did that happen? And so Kylo was like, obviously I have to go kill him now. I can't, you know. And so he goes out to fight him. And his line, of course, is, have you come to save my soul? And uh, Luke says, no. And, uh, and and I think Luke realizes that he can't save Ben. I think he realizes that Ben is going to have to save himself. Um, the flip side of that, or, or another, another aspect of that, I think, is that he saw the connection between Ben and Ray. And by the way, I'm not sure what to call him anymore. Do we call him Kylo or do we call him Ben? I think he's... 
At this point, he's Kylo. You think? Okay. Okay. I mean, he's so not he's... he's not back to Ben yet. I think he's still Kylo at this point. Okay, so he but he actually saw the connection <laughs> between Kylo and Ben or Kylo and Ray, right? He saw mm-hmm. it in Ashta. And so he 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 knows there's this deep seated connection there. And um but he still, I think, is trying to act the part of a teacher. And he says, if you strike me down in anger, I'll always be with you like your father. And that, to me, also demonstrates that he knows that there's conflict within Kylo Ren. And he knows that Kylo is tormented by killing his father. Do you agree or no? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, agree. I think everyone should know that. Okay. So, yeah. meanwhile, the Resistance, which is like 20 of them at this point, um, they're escaping out the back by following those crystal foxes. And uh, once they're clear, Luke says, see you around, kid. Who does that sound like? See you around, kid. Han! Yeah, totally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is such a Han line. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a freaking astral projection the whole time. And... um, But I'm looking at that as we're going to see him. Oh, he's a force ghost. Maybe as a, a ghost oh, Luke yeah. he's gonna be a in the future. Ghost. We're going to see I, him I, in the I future. I can totally see him as a force ghost trolling Kylo Ren. At the most inopportune times, just popping up going, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just going to just make him crazier. Um, but I also think that he's going to pop up and uh, talk to Ray maybe more, more as well. Um, and then you see the twin sons, which is sort of a callback, to, which is a callback to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And he fades. My heart. Oh. And so he is sort of finally. Didn't Obi-Wan go out like that? Obi-Wan went out that like, like that and Yoda went out like that. Yeah. And they both became force ghosts. And so mm. he, um, the implication is that he's going to be a force ghost and um yeah that makes me so sad but at the same time he did redeem himself from what he did to ben i think i hope um the first order then enters the abandoned base and you can tell hux has already planned a coup d'etat i mean it's clear as day to me excuse me and then Kylo Ren sees the gold dice on the floor that Luke had brought to Leia that were at one point on the Millennium Falcon. And he looks up and he sees Ray. Ray's not there. This is another forced vision. Right? And he's on his knees. He's broken. He's crying. But he's bathed in light from the window. Uh, Ray looks down at him and she looks, I would say, disappointed. Um, but I think she's also resolved and she closes the door. Um, it's after this that you see Ray meeting Poe and people already like screaming, damn Ray, because they think, you know, these two, they, they met and they smiled at each other. Therefore they must be soulmates and she can't possibly be with Kylo Ren. Um, because he's evil and um we also see that ray has taken the books or the books somehow made it from the tree onto the millennium falcon and then she is alone sad Mm. while he's off poe is off talking to the guy with the fish face 
she's sitting there alone and she looks kind of sad, but she sees Finn and Rose together and she kind of smiles at them and it's kind of a soft look. It's not a jealous look, at least to my eye, it wasn't a jealous look. And, um, and she's holding these two pieces of the broken saber and then Leia joins her and, um, Leia says, or she says to Leia something about, um, how do we build a rebellion? How do we build a resistance from this? And Leia says, we have all we need. And that's the, basically the last line in the movie. And it's this line of hope. And I think, and then of course you get the, the broom boy scene, but, um, I, at one point made the contention to you that, that the star Wars movies are about hope and you brought up rogue one, but even to me, Rogue One is about hope because the last word in that movie is hope. It's young Carrie Fisher digitally recreated. Yeah. And they say, what is, what is that? And she said, hope. And it was the Death Star plan. So yes, all of those people died, but she had hope in her hand for the future. So. And she mentioned in this movie that Luke was the hope. Yeah. And he did save them. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally. So I wonder who our new hope is going to be. Right. But that's, hope. Awful, that's an awful lot to she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't go to the dark side. Oh, and another inconsistency. Maybe you can shed some light on it. She's holding the broken saber at the end. Mm-hmm. Where did Luke get the lightsaber that he fought Kylo with? Well, I mean, he, he always had a lightsaber of his own. Did he? Yeah, he okay. always had a lightsaber. I he thought... just doesn't use it in this movie, except that one. T- he used a lightsaber. Um, and you know, I thought that was his lightsaber that she was bringing back to him. That was the family lightsaber. That was the the blue lightsaber was a lightsaber that Obi-Wan Kenobi had in the chest on Tatooine that had belonged to Anakin Skywalker. It was his and his father's before him. So Anakin Skywalker constructed that lightsaber and it's the lightsaber he uses in the Clone Wars and and the movies and stuff. It's the lightsaber he used to kill all the younglings at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. Because that's how Anakin Skywalker rolled when he became Darth Vader. And he um, used that lightsaber to kill all those kids as well as a bunch of trade delegation people. And then... Um, he loses it in his fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi and rather than killing Anakin, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi lets Kylo or not, excuse me, not Kylo Ren. He lets Anakin Skywalker, um, basically burn alive in a pit of lava because apparently that was kinder and gentler than killing him with, you know, a stroke of a lightsaber. And he takes the lightsaber and he leaves and Palpatine recovers Anakin Skywalker and makes him into what we know as Darth Vader, even though that was his Sith name already. And, um, Obi-Wan keeps the lightsaber in a chest in his little hut on Tatooine. And then when he, when, uh, Luke comes to him and he offers to train him, he gives him, that's a lightsaber. Like, you know, your father's before you. And then Darth Vader, when he cuts off Luke's hand at sky at cloud city, on Bespin, um, you see Luke's hand grasping the lightsaber floating off through space. And well, that's an exaggeration, hyperbole, if you will. But anyway, he loses the lightsaber in his hand at uh, Cloud City. 
And so Luke constructs his own lightsaber in the time jump between the end of the Empire Strikes Back and the beginning of Return of the Jedi. So Luke okay. always had a lightsaber. Now, the thing about this lightsaber, when it lit up, it didn't look acid green to me. <laughs> but I think that there's a... I don't I don't think Kylo was in any, any mood to ask questions at that point. Does that make sense? I mean, he yeah. had, he had he, he was had, he had lost it at that yeah, point. Yeah, he had he was, lost it. Yeah. He was in a fit of rage. And and that whole but, and I'll destroy her. I don't think he meant that. Like I that I think that was his pain talking. And if he if she was standing right in front of him, I don't think that he would do that to her. I just don't. And and maybe it's just me and my shipper goggles and I'm fine with that and I will I will go down with this ship. Don't bother just in the lifeboat. But that's that. You know, I just that's my thing. Um and then Broom Boy at the end. Um and that's finally it. We've reached the end of the movie. <laughs> Almost two hours later. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, my quick recommendation is to go watch the Mortis arc of the Clone Wars. It's in season three, and I think it's episodes 16, 17, and 18. Um, if it's not exactly those episodes, it's pretty close. So go in there, and they're entitled Mortis something. You know what I mean? But there are three episodes that are the Mortis arc. So I would tell you to uh, definitely check those three out, even if you don't watch anything else in the Clone Wars. You can You can survive three episodes of the Clone Wars. So... Any anything you want to talk about? Lessons of the day? Well, we kind of touched on all the different lessons that came from this movie, and we always try to have at least one lesson of the day from each movie that we watch. And this one was just so chock full of so many lessons. Yeah. Um, it's just impossible to pick one. And, and I like to create my little memes and post them up on our Facebook page, and I'm probably going to have like 10 different memes from this movie. But, um, you know, just balance in life. Um fighting for what you love um, instead of against what you hate, um, looking closer at things. Um, they're not always what they appear. And, you know, failure is our greatest teacher. And you mentioned the danger of hubris. There's just so many amazing lessons from this movie if you really look at it, um, you know, not just as entertainment, but as lessons in life. And, Trust, trusting those that mm. you love can sometimes um, backfire on you. There's just so many things. I don't know. I'm going to have to just dive in and go back and research some of the quotes and I'll post up some of the lessons on our, mm. on our Facebook page. But what do you, what did you gain from it? Um, all of those things. But to me, I think I've said it before to me, Rose is the moral center of the movie. And, um, definitely beware hubris which of course is pride and I think that um, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones for me and there was another one that I just had in mind but we've been podcasting for two hours so my brain is a little bit mushy um, but <laughs> I do want to say that um, if I know me We'll probably have another couple podcasts at various points over the next couple of years about The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, 
probably as stuff starts sort of sneaking out um, about episode nine, something will probably catch my attention. I'll be like, we have to talk about this. Um, and, and there's just always so, so much to say um, about this whole about this whole thing because they really do oof, they it's, we did a pretty comprehensive review of the movie i think this is probably our most comprehensive review so far mm-hmm. but i'd like for our listeners if there's any particular topic um within the movie that you'd like to hear us talk about um feel free to go to our facebook page at say when podcast or email us at Sally, it's, it's saywinpodcast at gmail.com, and we will be happy to um, read your questions and answer them to the best of our ability. Um, I, If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Palmetto's Desk on WordPress and also at Palmetto Blue on Twitter or Tumblr, although Tumblr is, wow, Twitter might be better. Um and like I said, email saywinpodcast at gmail.com. Where can people find you, Melissa? I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat under Paxibabe. <clears throat> That's P-A-K-S-Y-B-A-B-E, Paxibabe. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in if you stuck with us this long. And we certainly hope to see you around another time. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.